When I was a boy, I wondered why, if you're going to tell the story of Jesus Christ, would you start the New Testament this way? Let's remind ourselves that God did not start the New Testament this way. Matthew started Matthew this way. The New Testament had not yet been gathered and would not be gathered, uh, incomplete and nailed down for about 300 years. Well, that's, that's a bit much. 200 and a bit years. Matthew starts this because, as we said last week, it's all about Jesus being the King, the Messiah, the Son of David. There are a couple of other things that I want to bring up here. Many of you had bad teachers, and I'm sorry. I know some of you are teachers, and you're brilliant teachers. I'm not talking about you. I've always wondered, how in the world do you make history boring? But then I meet people who do. It is to, it's facts, and it's figures, and it's dull. And when history is filled with the most fascinating thing in the universe, and that is story, and people who have stories. When you go through this list, there are several things you'll notice. We, we talked about this last week. Every one of the women has some very uncomfortable facts about them. Can we just put it that way? Uh, some not their own fault, like Mary. Well, one. <laughs> the other three, eh, there were some faults going on there. But to be fair, take a look at all the guys. Can you find any of the names in there who lived a holy, sinless life? The answer is no then what is one of the points that, Jesus, that God is trying to make through this list? We already dealt with that he's from David, he is in the right line, and we've dealt with that. Here I want to come another way, that he came into this. He came into us. He joined us in our humanity. Rather than God staying distant and saying, you lot are sinful, you lot are making it awful, you must find a way to approach me. God entered the story. Now, I want to contrast this somewhat. I've never been to the Himalayas, and I would really like to. I'd very much like to see some of that. I've watched about every documentary I can find on it. I've read books on it. I just I find it fascinating. One of the things that you will find when you get to the high places in the Himalayas is trash because people have brought so many offerings to their God that have been abandoned there. Pinwheels, you know the pinwheels that kids have and, 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 and it's fine. I've had people go, oh, is that demonic? No, no, it's a wind toy. But to them, they put prayers on each of them and it came, the pinwheel came from that. They put prayers on each and they stick it up on a pole so that those horrific strong winds Every time it spins it, to them, that's multiplying their prayers. Others will multiply their prayers through beads. That's not a kick at the Catholic Church. There are many religions, Christian and non-Christian, that use that form of counting. The others will, will use fire. They will use, like I said, um, toys or offerings of food. Last week, um, we went out to lunch. We went to Koi, which... It's a really good sushi restaurant, but I wish they wouldn't name it after a carp found in a pond. 
Anyway, as I'm sitting there, I'm starting to scoot away and I look, and there's an altar behind me with all kinds of offerings. I'm like, oh, oh, I see. Well, I wasn't, I didn't kick it over, you know, I didn't take a whip and clear the assembly. I, I don't, I agree with Paul that that is a nothing, uh, and I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I wish that they didn't have it. The point I'm trying to make is all of these gods are silent, and you must go up to a high place somehow and sacrifice to them and hope that one day, maybe, they might listen to you. Our God, look at all these names, walked right into our story. And that's amazing. There is a, um, it's going to sound really weird to some of you, maybe create more questions than answers. There was an amazing psychiatrist and therapist named Milton Erickson. This is not Eric Erickson, that many of you, if you did any uh, education classes, you did Eric Erickson. This is Milton Erickson. Milton was one of the most fascinating, intelligent men that I've ever read about in my life. And uh, he was a big part of the training we did back in the shrink days. Milton used hypnosis and visualization to fix broken people. Now, if you're wondering if everything you've known about hypnosis is people acting like a chicken on a stage, that's not it, all right? What he did at one of these things, though, is, was amazing to me. And if you want to know more about the modality, I'll point you to the books, but I don't really want to talk about this here, um, except to tell you what he did. There's this woman that came in who was very um, dysfunctional, and it turned out that she had super rich, jet-setting parents that were never home for her. She was the only kid. The staff did the parties, birthday parties. The staff did all, they were never there. There was no, and the staff wasn't thrilled by doing it. So she had this miserable, nobody loves me growing up. And he would, uh, if you don't know about hypnosis and trance, it's not some sort of woo thing. It's just relaxation and concentration. Nothing magical happens. And so she's recalling all of these visualizations. And he's working her through the visualizations, helping getting more detail and detail. Eventually, what he did was change the visualizations by introducing a new character, him. He would show up at her third birthday party. The doorbell rings. Go look and see who that opened up. Oh, it's Uncle Milton. You know, and, and he would come in and play with her. And he showed her that she could change the way she looked at the past. She knew he wasn't there. That's not the point. The point is memories that used to depress her were now diffused because of the thought of somebody who paid attention to her, cared about her, was involved with her. Well, that's kind of what's happening here. And you read through the Old Testament, if you know where to look, Jesus keeps showing up. And he shows up again and again and again and again. And it's like, oh, we weren't alone. It wasn't tragic. And then here, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Uzziah, Jotham, Manasseh. You want to talk about a bad guy? Try to find a worse guy than Manasseh. In Chronicles, he gets off a little, but he was awful. And then people I don't even know are in here. I'm not going to read which ones that I don't know because I don't want Albert to be ashamed of me. But some of these I don't know. And I'm looking at him going, who's that? And then Jesus, born 
right in the middle of all of this. We didn't have to go up and, and rig prayers and pray, 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 pray that maybe one day our great-great-grandkids will get a notice from God. No, he came to us. And that's another reason why we pray is it invites God into your story. Walk with me. Let me walk with you. Be a part of the story. Any, anything you want to talk about with that? Any input? You want to move on? Are we good? Does it make sense now why Matthew would be doing this? There are many reasons, and that's one of them. I think his main reason was to show he's from the line of David. But look at the next. I like that. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. I, I just, isn't that a great way to start the story? Okay. Are you seated comfortably? And you don't get that. In Breton... For many, many, many years, uh, you didn't have the telly. Uh, you'd gather around the wireless. That's what you call the radio. And they would have story times for different age groups. And it was just a tradition. They would say, are you seated comfortably? Of course, all the little kids going, yes, but they can't hear. Yeah, then I'll begin. And so I, I'm thinking, this is, this is like long ago and far away in a galaxy far away. This is like, all right, here's how it happened. There was a new translation of Beowulf uh, about 20 years ago that was brilliant. Uh, I learned old English as, well, it's a long story. But uh, I, I got to read the parallel that was done, and it was just really brilliant. And if most of you had to learn the first line or two, you know that it starts with that old English word, wait. And you, if you read four or five versions, uh, then you found that translating that's pretty hard. One of the brilliance, and they, he, was, he was written up in many comments about this in reviews, was that he took that word and they said he did it perfectly. He translated it, so. In other words, the whole story starts, so. And it, and it did make all the difference. I love it. Matthew goes, here's how it happened. You see all of this? He entered us. How could this happen? Here's how it happened. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now again, we talked a bit about this last week, but I want you to think of Jesus was not born into a family that was functioning at the level that you would expect. It was not a dysfunctional family. It was a family caught in dysfunction. There's a difference, all right? Um, my relationship with my mother is is fantastic and yet we are caught in dysfunction because we're dealing with a, her husband my father who is demented and in a particularly hard state of that right now um won't go into it but the point is we are a functional family caught in a dysfunction if you've lost your job and now you may have to sell your house you might be a very functional family in it and so that's they're a functional family but they're caught in a dysfunction this is a tragedy beyond anything we experience, even, and yes, even if it's your daughter or granddaughter who is found to be pregnant. That can be tragic on so many levels, I agree. But back then, the society would insist upon being estranged and the like. Our society will look at you and say, who are you to judge? So it's a whole different world. You have to come back to this world. Now, here's where, if the teens were here, I would have to tell them something 
that's rather uncomfortable. But some of you are old enough to know this. In the middle of the last century, there was a Swedish movie star who became pregnant outside of marriage. She had to leave the United States. She went back, yeah, you know her name. She had to go back to Sweden and no more movies. The people of America did not approve. How far have we come in just two generations, three generations? If you didn't know, there's a family that celebrated it, put it up on social media, it's been on the news, that their 10-year-old son, who's a drag queen, got his picture taken at a drag queen contest with a nude drag queen this weekend, and they put the pictures up. That's a long way to fall. So it's hard for us to get our head around. Um, I can remember when we were studying back in shrink stuff, and they would say, you can't stop kids from having sex. And I was thinking, we used to, because we didn't approve. We all knew there were those guys and a couple of those girls. We all knew this. But the society did not approve. So that really put the brakes on things. Today, the society encourages and pushes, pushes, to the point where if you, um, if you don't do anything, they'll send it to you. They'll, they'll push it in there. Um, you have to be careful not to put our viewpoint back on here. This is what um, Josh Graves taught me this, and I'm not sure who he learned it from. I think he did pick it up from a, um, one of his teachers when he was getting his doctorate in theology. He said, we tend to read scripture backwards. We, we look here and we look back in the scripture. You are to read scripture in scripture looking forward. And there's a big difference. This, Jesus was born into a tragedy in the making. Right now, they're given a little safe space. We, don't, we never think about the birth of Jesus being a safe space. It was. Why? They're away from some of the relatives. They're on the move. Were they away from all the relatives? No, no. They would have had family with them. Yeah, so it's not great, but they're away from their community. What's going to happen? Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He was sadiq. Remember we used that word last week? He was sadiq. Did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he's a good, nice guy. He had every reason to do this, but he didn't. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice, especially with the sermon we did today, what is not offered to Joseph or promised to Joseph. He does not say, it'll be okay. He doesn't. He said, don't be afraid. Step up. Do it. Don't be afraid. And I don't know why we don't ever stop right there and have sermons about that one. Because there are going to be times that God's going to look at you and say, this is going to be awful. Don't be afraid. Do it. Take it. Go. And that's, a, that's something we don't, again, don't talk about much. But he did say, pick up thy cross and follow me hundreds of years before the cross became a loving symbol. It'd be like, pick up your guillotine and go with me. Pick up your hangman's noose 
Go with me. Whew. Saying it's going to end this way, but do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's, this is all part of what God wants to do. Joseph, are you willing to throw your life into a free fall spiral to do what God wants you to do? And, I, and I'm not overplaying this, by the way, guys. If, as scripture says, Mary's own kids did not believe their story, that at least her sons did not believe her story about how she became pregnant, what kind of life did this woman have and what kind of life did Joseph have? Are you willing to shipwreck your life for Jesus and the glory of God? That's what he's asking. This is big, big, heavy stuff. Every person reading this in the first several centuries would have gotten it. Every single one would have been going, there have been gasp. There have been, oh my goodness. There have been leaning over, what about it? All of that would have been done. We don't do, we just kind of read right past, you know, <coughs> get to a good place where the men bring entirely inappropriate gifts. They're actually really good gifts. We just don't get that either. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, Albert, I'm going to let you come in on this if you want to, but I want to, um, I want to throw a different spin on this, this last bit, right? You're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. Well, Jesus is a form of the name Joshua. So most people would have thought he's named after his dad. It's also a form of the word Jacob. We could keep going. It's the most common name in the first century, period. And it does come from a root that means the Lord saves. But I also wonder if he's not saying, I have placed him into this mess called the world and into a mess of a situation and into a mess of a lineage. And I want you to call him the most common name. Just call him Joe. Call him John. Call him the most common name you can because I'm going to use the most common among you to save you. I, I think that makes more sense. I love movies. I don't go to nearly as many as I want to. I, I just, I love movies. Uh, they have to be good movies, not talky, talky movies where we talky, talky, and then we date. Um, nah. Something has to blow up, but I enjoy movies. I, I really do. I cannot, and, and this, is, this is not, if you love these, this is not messing with you at all. I cannot get into superhero movies. The whole DC Comics thing versus Marvel. I just can't. I'm not sure why, but I've tried. I've watched several of them and gone, huh. Yeah, I got nothing. I love this movie because Jesus didn't show up as a superhero. He showed up as a kid born in a very awkwardly awful situation in the middle of nowhere, and that's the kid. In some ways, I think of the King Arthur legend. Now, the King Arthur legend does, is not an exact parallel, obviously, because he was royalty in this. But if you remember, if you ever read those, um, he didn't know he was king. 
he was raised by a shepherd. Merlin put him with a shepherd, so he's raised by a shepherd. And later on, he would find Merlin, and through the pulling of the stone, the, the sword out of the stone, finds out who he is. Jesus, I don't know how he found who he was, how God doled that information out to him. But there's more parallels there in that Jesus was walking around and people didn't know. He didn't look like Thor or Aquaman, right? If you were to see Aquaman or Thor on the street, you wouldn't be going, hey, just a regular Joe. Just another guy. You'd be going, you'd, if you're like me, you'd be, you'd be just going, oh, step over here for a while. Need to go see a movie. Jesus comes wrapped in this story it's already a story happening when he shows up. He enters an active story. And that's the one going to save you. Why is that important? Because as the book of Hebrews, I love the book of Hebrews, says that is why we know he loves us because he walked through all of it with us. He was part of it. Yes, ma'am. Excellent question. She said, just out of curiosity, why do you think Joseph seems to drop out of the story? There are a lot of early legends about this. None of them rise to the point of history. And so we have options. I think most of us want to assign the best of motives to Joseph and character, because he certainly seems to have it here. And he's still around 12 years later. People died back then early. By the time you were 40, you were old age. You had, you know, there weren't antibiotics, there weren't sutures and surgeries, accidents wiped people out, diseases wiped, there, there wasn't water filtration plants. You know, think of all the things that keep us safe. Um, so he could have died. It is also possible that later on he changed his mind about Mary, the story, and everything else, and left her because the Jewish law would have allowed him to. If he found that she was unclean and, and determined that the story was wrong, he could desert all of that and start a new family. I don't like thinking that about him. You know, I'd rather think he died. Um, there's a third option. Uh, there Actually, there are several, but I'm, I'm just going to do the third. The third option is that he remained there but remained quiet. I don't buy that one because whenever you see the kids later, it's Mary and the kids. Joseph isn't there. The Catholics have all kinds of stories about this um, that they build up later because they develop doctrines later that they had to go back in and, and insert into the story. That's called scholasticism. It's not an anti-Catholic knot. Uh, the Churches of Christ have done quite a lot of that themselves, fr frankly. Um, but one of their stories that they have... They, Later, 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 they had to decide that Mary was also a virgin born and virgin forever. Well, then those other kids. And so they said, Joseph was an older man who was widowed and already had kids. You came in. And so they're, they're weaving. But we just don't have a history on it. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to throw in, Albert? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, we need to talk about that a bit, don't we? 
Um, this year, for the first time, uh, if I'm understanding the, f the figures I've seen correctly, the number one cause of death in America was abortion. Not crime, not car accidents, not abortion. Think about this. Not even old age and Alzheimer's. Um, we're killing them faster than they can be born and more, faster than they can die of natural death. Now, by the way, if you read, but aren't there fewer abortions than there used to be in the 80s? Yes, how can both be true? We are also having smaller families. And so it's a demographic issue as well. There's a bubble being pushed into the air. So let's, let's pull back. How valuable are you to Jesus? How valuable are you to God? Well, we've, we've gone over some of these. You're, we're the only thing handmade by God. Remember, everything else is spoken into being. God forms us, breathes into us. He also enters our story. And I love birds and I love porpoises and all that sort of thing. But he didn't go into their story. He went into ours. He took on our form. And I believe we have a responsibility toward the birds and the dolphins and all that other and, and the care of the planet. But we need to remember God values you. And the reason, and in fact, what's the number one thing God hates? A proud look, haughty look, because you're looking down on someone he loves. And God, that's the number one thing he hates. I often tell people, one of the reasons is that you can't mistreat somebody till you devalue them. And so you have to look down on them before you can mistreat them. Decide that their life's not worth the sneakers that they're wearing that you want or the job or the wife or whatever. Um, God loves you so much and we have a hard time buying that so we create religious laws that indicate he doesn't love you that much. You're very naughty and you might not be saved. Let's, um, let's just do this one. Um, in 1953, standing here, or where the building was oriented, Pat Boone was leading the worship at Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. 1953. When people noticed that he and his girlfriend were wearing rings, they had been married and done so quietly. He gave an interview about it after because people started going nuts and the, the newspaper came. And I posted that article on my Facebook page, if you want to look at it, where he said he wanted to give his life to the Church of Christ. He wanted to become a minister now. Then why didn't Pat Poon become a minister? Well, because he didn't toe the line with everything the Church of Christ said, and therefore he was kicked out. In interviews all of his life, he always said, I'm still a member. They kicked me out, but I didn't leave. I'm still a member. This church has been disfellowshipped by many in churches of Christ. Now, why, why, if you're wondering, what does it have to do with the birth of Jesus? Everything. Because God can come and hold hands with human beings with all of our mess, and human beings claim God's the reason we can't hold hands with each other. Therefore, we hunt and we kill and we speak ill of and we go on Twitter and we attack. And, and we form religions to say God's on our side and that's why it's okay to hate you. How awful is this? When God says, God is not willing that any should perish. 
but that all should come to repentance. Or that the grace of God has appeared unto all men. I think we need to open up our eyes to how vast and deep the love of God is and quit acting like it's as narrow as our love. So um, Shirley Boone died this week, and that's one of the reasons why these stories are coming back into play. She will give birth. See, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We talked about when we went through the creeds, just to remind you, you can go back and listen to those sermons, that um, when the Revised Standard Version, the first one, the new, not the new Revised Standard Version, the Revised Standard Version was put together, and the scholars took out the virgin there and put in a young woman. The, uh, <coughs> the pulpits exploded. And you can go back there to listen to pros and cons of each side. I believe it. I believe a virgin giving birth is a lot more um, of a sign. But even then, I can pull back and say, God wants to give you a sign. And what is it? If it was young girl, that God works in the ordinary. I've been trying. Um, she's not in the room. Is, is Laurie Lee here? No, I think she's upstairs somewhere. One of the other classes. I'm going to get her to do it. One of these days. We had a staff retreat. Now, if you've never listened to Laurie Lee, Laurie Lee pray, by the way, it's not like her name's Laurie Lee something. For some reason, we call her her entire name. And um, anyway, she's amazing and wonderful. If you've ever heard her pray, it's jaw-dropping. Amazing woman of faith. If you've been here when she's led around the table, oh my goodness. Well, we had a staff retreat. And at the staff retreat, rather than doing, you know, big, long, hard things, we, we gave the opportunity to each staff member to do a TED talk, five or ten minutes on something that they're good at, and they want to share their passion or whatever. And it, it, was, it was such a lovely variety to listen to all of this. I was the only one that didn't give one, because they hear me all the time. No need to. I'll listen to you. So they, they all did theirs. Laurie Lee did one on being an ordinary girl about being born into an ordinary family. And she wasn't good at sports. She was ordinary. And she wasn't the most beautiful. She was ordinary. And there was no, no self-pity in this at all. Don't read that. It was just a, a, a factual retelling of how she's lived her life and then bringing it to how God has blessed the ordinary. And I was just, as we'd say in Scotland, gobsmacked, um, you know, jaw dropping open. And I've been trying since then to get her to use that. We're going to. Because that's going to be the, one of the greatest communion devotionals ever. Because here, God works in the ordinary. And see, that's the thing. Think of um, Elijah. He's in the cave and he wants God to work and he wants God to work. Is God in the earthquake that he goes through? No. How about the fire? No. The windstorm? No. There's a still small voice. He goes out. There's God. God's going to work in the ordinary. You know, it would be great if we all decided to re resign our jobs and go to New Guinea and feed the orphans. But I think sitting beside my nine-year-old grandson yesterday and talking to him about what it means for a shot to be the winning shot or not and just giving him a little comfort, 
I think that's as much God as if we all went out to New Guinea. He does the ordinary, the little thing. Last week, one of the shepherds here took the staff out to lunch just as a way to say thank you. And it was amazing. It was wonderful. Well, they assign, you know, we're a big group. And they assign us one, I don't know, it looks 12-year-old girl. To, <laughs> I'm at that age, people. You know, I always want to you know, stop and tell the policeman he looks so cute in his uniform. I'm getting to that age. Anyway, so she served us with a smile, and we're talking to her and uh, telling her we're about to pray and asking her if there's anything we want to pray about. We always throw ropes of love. That's important. By the, it, it wasn't long until she was talking about, well, you know, she didn't grow up in a religious house, but she'd been thinking about trying to find a church. And we're, so we're talking to her, all this other. <coughs> to me, that was as important as my sermon this morning. What if I never see her again and she never comes to this church? That's not the point. The point is to bring God into the ordinary. Bring God into the story. She may end up at a whole different church that I wouldn't even approve of. Used to be that guy. My point being, just bring him into the ordinary. So, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, when I was a boy... I read this, God with us, and God is very dramatic. I think it's more, God is with us. He's not out there. He's here. And I think about that little shift. What does that do to your day? I brought this up before. I think even eating fast food is a spiritual experience. Think about it. You're in a drive-thru. You're in a drive-through. You have a vehicle. You have bits of paper and metal, or even worse, a little piece of plastic with a picture on it, and people will give you stuff for this if you trade it. That's amazing that we've come to that point in our society. It really is. And now you pull up, and there is food. There, kind of food. And it's everywhere. It, you can't get away from it, can you? It's everywhere. And, and all you have to do is say, I would like this sort of thing. And they say, and then you pull up to the next window and you hand them perfectly worthless stuff and they hand you a bag with somebody's order in it. Hang on, somebody's order in it. I'm, I'm excited now. I'm, I'm thinking about fries. My class is only one more minute. And, and then you drive on. There's food, there's money, there's opportunity. It's always available. You're moving on. And if you eat it, you'll become a spirit faster. So it's a spiritual experience in every point of the continuum. And we don't see God in the ordinary. Driving back last night, we were driving back in what I call a greasy rain because it just kind of you know, messes up your vision and all that sort of thing. And I'm driving in a truck that has almost 200,000 miles on it. And I'm thinking, this is comfortable. And I'm listening to music I listened to when I was a teenager. Because that's the last good music ever made, obviously. There's a lot of God in that story. I'm safe, home, temperature controlled. This is cool. Bring God into the ordinary because that's where God lives. Now, I lived in Colorado, Cammy is from Colorado, and we lived in Colorado Springs, and we looked out over Pikes Peak, that was our back view. 
Sunsets were amazing. I'm told sunrises were too, you know. Video the sunset, run it backwards if you want to see it. Um, and I love that. And people would go, oh, look at the red sky, it's on fire. You can really tell there's God. And I'm, I agree. But I think we're making a huge mistake if we're looking for God in the big stuff. I think instead, look at a little kid learning how to play a, uh, ride a tricycle. God is in the story. Yes, Albert, close us out. That is correct. I don't know if you know this or not. When we go to heaven, Jesus isn't going to be like God. The scripture says he's on the throne, except when he's standing by, by God. But it says when we get to heaven, he's going to step down and be with us. God with us is not temporary. So, go with God. That means leave.